you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy hellman hi everybody the holidays are quickly approaching and we have someone who has written in with a design dilemma and as you guys know i love to get to those people first because um they're what supports us what sustains us so without further ado let me get to audrey's email Audrey writes, hi, Betsy. I've been listening to your podcast and I have decided to become a premium member to get my hands on those premium episodes. I am listening to them all now and I find it to be such a great resource. I decided to write in because I need input on my living room. This has officially become our TV room where my husband and I normally curl up and watch Netflix. The width of the media console is smaller than the TV, so I want to get something larger so it doesn't look so top-heavy. But I'm not sure how long a media stand I can get because the media stand is on a wall that pops out and that measures 82 inches wide. I'm eyeing some TV stands that are 80 inches long right now. They're from Restoration Hardware, the Davos line. Or should I get something even longer at 100 inches? Is there anywhere else I can get a media console in a rustic look that's around 25 to 28 inches high? All right. You mentioned also, I don't think my husband will ever agree to getting a smaller TV, so I want to make the right decision before putting the money down for a TV console. Okay, let's get into it. That's your first question. So you basically have a very long wall that the TV is on, but part of that wall pops out. It's almost like there was a fireplace there before. That's what we see a lot in New York City, is that there was a fireplace there before. They boxed it in with sheetrock, so that way it's totally unusable and you can't even tell what was there prior. And if the wall is only 82 inches, we don't want to get something 100 inches because it's going to hang off on either side and look ill-fitting. We also don't want to max it out. So we don't want to go to the 80 inch because it's going to really look like you tried to make it fit perfectly or that it's tried to be a built-in and is not a built-in. So those are my hesitations with those two measurements. I do agree with you that generally you want the console to be wider than the TV so it doesn't look top heavy. And I do think that the current one that you have is very open so I can see wires, I can see controllers, 
And also it's narrower, as you mentioned. Now you do have kind of a worn carpet. In other words, it's kind of one of those vintage distressed Persians. It has beautiful colors and a really nice muted pattern. So I do think that the rustic nature of the consoles you're looking at aligns with the style I'm seeing. One issue that I have is that the rug is partially under the TV console, and that is a major no-no. I like it to be at least a few inches in front of this console, if not a foot or my favorite 18 inches. For this living room, I'm open to it going to just six inches in front, right? But we do need to pull that thing back so it's not half on, half off um, in terms of the TV stand looking like it's wibble wobbly or something. Now, let's talk about this TV stand. An affordable place. It sounds like you have a lot of restrictions on height because you mentioned that height range specifically. When I have a lot of restrictions on height, I will go to a site that has a lot of filters. So that way I can easily put in the exact numbers that I'm looking for without having to click on each item and check to make sure that it fits my parameters. Uh, a couple of good ones for you would be Wayfair. Wayfair, of course, owns Birch Lane, Joss and Main. Those all have the same filter systems and slightly different inventory. I usually go to Wayfair, which typically has the best selection of all its sites. I also like Paragold if you're going to spend a little bit of money because, again, it's like the upscale Wayfair. They're owned by the same parent company, and you can use those amazing filters. Crate and Barrel also has a few nice rustic pieces, as does Pottery Barn, but they don't tend to be very low at Pottery Barn, which is why I'm kind of leaning towards Crate and Barrel for this project. Um, who else? Who else? Who else? There's a lot of places that are budget busters, like Our House, um, which has a very similar look to Restoration Hardware. But it's even slightly more expensive in some areas than restoration. So I think I'd start with Wayfair because the rustic look is everywhere these days. It is not hard to achieve. And while I do want the TV stand to be special, I mean, you're going to be staring at it while you're watching that Netflix with your husband, it doesn't need to break the bank. Now, you do have more questions, so let's scroll down and get to those. You write, my second question is regarding the seating. The only way in the living room area to add additional seating is to the right of the sectional. I tried placing the Ikea Poang chair to balance out the right side of the room, since it felt like the room is lacking balance. But it also feels like it's in the way of the walkway. Do you have any ideas? Should I leave it empty? All right, so you're going for this rustic vibe, and I think you're really being successful with this distressed vintage Persian rug, with the wrought iron coffee table, with the kind of um, ticking stripe throw pillows. It even looks like you have a leather throw pillow on here. I think you are in the right direction. But then you add this super contemporary, super Ikea, by the way, Poang chair, and it is making everything look po. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you need to get rid of this chair with a quickness. And if it's going to block the walkway, in other words, if you're not going to have a walkway of 30 to 36 inches in order to flow and maneuver for, throughout the room, then you can't accommodate a chair. And even if it looks empty, that will not be the way to visually fill it. 
I would suggest that you visually fill that space with something that's not as deep, like say a bookcase. That will give big visual presence and that it has height and sometimes has width depending on the width of this wall. You can style it with interesting things to look at that make it look visually busy while not actually taking up a very large footprint. And I think having shelving, places to display pictures or those favorite books or even some souvenirs from your travels would make this room look that much more compelling. So that is definitely a suggestion of mine. And you continue. Lastly, my living room has no overhead lighting. So far, these two floor lamps and another one in the corner behind the sectional are the only things illuminating the room. At nighttime, the area above our TV looks dark. What can I put there? Where else can I add lighting to this room? All right, so generally, right next to a TV, you would not put illumination because it's strange and it adds to eye strain um, when you have a light source and you're looking at the TV. That's like putting a very bright light right next to your computer monitor. It's fine to have the illumination coming from behind you or even to the side of you, but right by the monitor is typically a big no-no. So I wouldn't put anything on that TV wall or anything above the TV to illuminate it. You know, you do have these smaller walls flanking the TV. If you weren't going to take my advice and put a bookshelf where the Poang chair is, you could certainly put two shelving units on either side of that TV wall bump out. That would be really compelling. Now, it would add a lot of visual weight to that wall, but you could do like bookcase lamps on the top of the bookcases that would then provide some illumination. You could also, because you've got a sectional in here, Think about doing some kind of end table now that we eliminated the chair so that way you won't encroach on your walkway with a lamp, a table lamp. You know, we want to avoid doing all floor lamps or all table lamps. We're looking for that contrast. We're looking to shake it up. You might even think about a sofa table, which is a long low table that extends the back of the sofa, and you could flank that with two table lamps or just put one table lamp closer to the wall so it doesn't feel precarious. There are lots of ways to add illumination to this room, but the one thing I wouldn't do is more floor lamps. Audrey, you sign out. Thank you for your informative podcast and practical advice. I look forward to hearing your input. Well, you're welcome, Audrey. A little holiday gift from me to you. Thank you for being a VIP premium member. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today.
And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. Comes from Jane. Jane writes, hi, Betsy. I recently found your podcast and I love it. My husband and I have been married for 30 years. As newlyweds, we lived in Williamsburg, Virginia while my husband was in grad school. We began buying furniture back then and we chose good quality, handmade, expensive items. I can live with it in my formal and living room and dining rooms, but we have a less formal feel in our family room and it is not my style anymore. The problem is we spent so much money on good quality furniture, stickly leather black sofas and other stickly pieces of medium stained wood. I could never sell it for anything close to what we have paid for it. Plus, my husband still likes it. What would you suggest when your main places have when your main pieces have no place to stay? I would send you a picture, but we're in an apartment now waiting to move into our new house. Thanks, Jane. Yes, 30 years. That is a huge, huge accomplishment, Jane. Congratulations. I'm very excited for you. Uh, I'm also excited for you on your new house. That's awesome. Now, 30 years is a long time, as you know. And 30 years ago, there were not many options for high-quality furniture at decent price points, right? Almost anything that was visually appealing that was durable, was going to be quite expensive. Times have changed, thankfully. You know, owning my company, Affordable Interior Design, would not have been possible 30 years ago. There just wasn't the selection at a decent price point. But now that there is, we should not be saddled with things that are so old, even if they're somewhat timeless, right? Like Stickley's lines could be considered somewhat timeless in a lot of their pieces. But that's why I'm really love loving living in this day and age because my style has evolved in five years. I just moved into my home five years ago, Jane, and already I'm like, itching to switch everything out. Isn't that bad? Like I committed to one metal finish. I committed to a silver metal finish because there was just so much inventory back then. And I'm a more contemporary type person. And after living in my home, which is a historic home for quite a while, I just want to go back to wrought iron. I do. And I want to switch out everything. But that means like every light fixture, every piece of hardware in the kitchen. I mean, I just want to go the distance. And we should be able, especially after 30 years, to adapt to our style, to adapt to what we want. And you mentioned that you'll never be able to sell it for what you paid for it. But the thing is, you've also gotten years of amazing use out of it. And that is is an investment in and of itself. That's a payoff right there. You know, sometimes I'll buy like that amazing sweater that I spent a little bit too much money on, but it lasts me for so long and doesn't pill as quickly as say those old navy sweaters that I typically buy do. And then eventually it does start to pill, right? And I spent $75 on it at Macy's and I'm having a hard time letting it go. And then I think back and I'm like, sweater, I'm actually wearing the sweater right now, Jane. Sweater, 
You've been so good to me for so many years. I really got my investment back, and it's time to send you to someone new, someone who would never pay for you now, but somebody who will also enjoy you. You know what I'm saying. So that's where I'm going with this, Jane, is that these furniture pieces have done their time. And while you could keep some around to honor your husband and to put in those formal rooms, I don't think you should hold yourself back in any way from investing in new pieces. I think that you should let these go back to the universe. There are lots of people who would be grateful for them, lots of stores who will resell them for you at a fraction of what you've paid. But then you get that fresh new look. And now there are a lot of great quality pieces available for much better prices. So I think your new style is in with, within reach. And I think you were writing in asking for permission to break up with Stickly. And I give you permission. Break up. Move on. Keep the husband. Lose the furniture, Jane. All right, let's get to my next question. See, you guys think that you come here for interior design advice. I give relationship advice, obviously um, fashion advice with my pilled old navy sweaters. So you're just, you're just getting it all right here, guys. My next question comes from Allison. Allison writes, hi, Betsy. Thank you so much for your awesome podcast. I look forward to listening and I learn so much every time. I would love to get your opinion on mudrooms. We have a small mudroom, about five feet by eight feet, and it's a transition from our garage to the kitchen. We currently just have a bunch of hooks all over the walls. I would like to install some lockers or cubbies to organize the space and to create more storage. What's your experience on closed versus open for hanging up the coats? I have three small boys and an active husband. I hate clutter, so I want to have everything behind doors. I'm worried they're just going to end up throwing their stuff on the floor if they have to take that extra step to open a door. My husband thinks I just need to lighten up and tolerate the sight of coats that are hung up properly. There is really only one wall we can use for storage along one of the eight-foot walls. Do you think it's too small of a room to have an entire wall of storage all the way up to the ceiling? We have nine-foot ceilings. Would it feel super closed in? I'm attaching a few inspiration pictures, but it seems like all the internet photos have big, spacious mudrooms with windows. I'm also debating, should I do a sort of Ikea hack without paying much more for true custom built-ins? Do you have experience with clients using prefabbed kitchen cabinets or the PAX wardrobe and then putting in fillers to make it look built-in? This is our forever home. I don't want it to fall apart in a few years or just look cheap. I know you will give an honest and candid opinion, and I look forward to hearing that. Please stay safe and stay sane, Allison. Okay, Allison, here's the thing. Entry room storage and mudroom storage are very personal. You need to adapt it to how you and your family live. That's the first thing. And you need to do a reality check on, hey, I'm willing to hang up my coat but I know my kids will never do that. Hey, I'm willing to put my bag on its proper shelf, but I know that my husband is not gonna put his briefcase there. You know, you really have to know your family's limitations and don't be afraid to stretch them a little bit. When I lived in Brooklyn, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm never gonna get myself to put my coat on a hanger and hang it in a closet. And now that I moved to my forever home in Westchester, I'm much more diligent about that. I take the extra time to hang it up. Will my kids do that? Hell no. 
they're not listening to this podcast either, so I can use that word. Hell no, Allison. <laughs> they will not. And so I've had to compromise what I want my entryway to look like. Unfortunately, we don't have a mudroom. I've had to compromise what I want my entryway to look like in order to accommodate the realities of what they're going to do. And I think you need to check in with yourself a little bit about that as well. I think the perfect marriage for a messy family, and my family is certainly counted among that, is open and closed storage. So for instance, um, in our entryway, we have an Ikea hack console. The only reason I used an Ikea hack is because I wanted a freestanding piece of furniture and I couldn't find anything out there that functioned the way I wanted it to function. So I had to make my own using Besta pieces. But basically it has open shelving on the bottom and then it has cabinets up top. In the cabinets, each person has a cubby where they store their sunscreen, their sunglasses, their personal gloves. And on the bottom are those open shelves where they can kick off their flip-flops, kick off their boots, and throw them on their personal labeled shelf. Because that is another thing that I think is vital in an entryway or mudroom, is that each person has their own zone. They know where to go. Think of it as a kindergarten classroom, right? Where they've got the cubbies labeled, you know where to put your stuff, and it becomes a part of your routine. Well, even though my kids are no longer in kindergarten, and of course, either is my husband, I want him to know that he has a space where he can dump his stuff. And when the space is full, it needs to be cleaned. It needs to be evaluated. So for instance, if you give each kid two hooks and each kid one basket in this mudroom, well, then they know, hey, when my basket's full, I've got to evaluate this. In fact, my kids just last weekend, we did a thing where we looked at our shoe cubbies because it's time to change it seasonally. I know I'm a little behind. Don't judge people. And it's time to take out those sandals and put them in a bag or a box, carry them upstairs to your room. And now we're only doing winter sneakers and boots, right? And then we'll do that again in the summer, probably two months late again, and on and on until they're 18. And I know that in pictures, a lot of these mudrooms are aspirational and quite wide, but that's not the reality I experience in these older homes in Westchester. And it's not the reality for my clients, certainly in New York City. Um, so don't think that it has to be wide. Of course, you want to make sure that you have a walkway that's at least 30 inches so people can actually take off their coat without hitting the wall or the built-in. Speaking of built-ins, this is your forever home. And while I think built-ins have a lot of issues because they're so expensive and then they're hard to change later, and if somebody else is going to be buying this home, they may not want it to function in the same way. The fact that you led with, I have young children and we own this and are staying forever leads me to believe that you should do the built-in. Design it the exact way you want it. You know, play around with the functionality before you determine what's going to work best. Because I do find that those beautiful upholstered seats that you have, even in these inspiration pictures that are wedged between two tall cabinets, nobody actually sits there. That's where they throw their book bags in lieu of putting them in the cubbies. So you want to be really critical and really honest about what's going to go on in your home. Um, and then you want to go the distance. And if you have the money, do the built-in. 
because otherwise it's just going to be that stop gap, right? And I think you know, and I think you have a series of years coming up where that stop gap is just going to feel cheap and not quite good enough. So again, go in with that really specific strategy that you know will work for your family and even gives you a little bit extra. In other words, room to grow, room to get that dog or have that fourth kid. Um, And then commit and do it and get your husband on your side, but also let him know that you're going to be more flexible. And then it's okay to see a coat hung up on a hook and, you know, you got three children. I'm surprised you haven't gotten more flexible by now. My two children have beaten me down. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, speaking of being beaten down by children, I've got to go home and make dinner. I hope wherever you are, you are having a lovely evening and maybe you're even making dinner while you listen to me because I'm going to go home, make dinner and listen to Keith and the girl. That's what I do. And I just try and turn the volume down so the kids can't hear the naughty words, right? Hell yeah. All right, Allison. Until next time. Bye, everybody. You've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out. Follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.